1: fitness trackers have come a long way over the last two years. I still remember my clunky Nike fuel band from back in the day, but today's wearables can do so much more. I'm Roger Chang, this is your Daily Charge. <sighs> Joining me to talk about the state of fitness trackers is CNET Mobile Maven, Lisa Irchico. Welcome, Lisa.
0: Hi, Roger. Thanks for having me.
1: So you've got a great overview of the state of fitness trackers and where they're going. Uh, and, and I know for the in previous years or when these things began, it was really for folks who were either really into gadgets or really into fitness or some combination. But that's that's really changed, right? It's, it's a much broader audience now.
0: Yeah, that's right. It is a much more broad audience now. And I think part of that is because prices have gone down. um, You know, the devices themselves have gotten better. Uh, As you mentioned, they used to be pretty clunky, but also pretty expensive. So I think the combination of the devices themselves being better and, you know, smartwatches and fitness bands becoming more affordable has has definitely made them more popular.
1: And these trackers, tend to do a lot more, obviously, than, that, than my old fuel ban. Uh, you know, they, they do ECG readings. Or you can get blood oxygen levels. There's there's a lot. Uh, I'm curious, do we really need all that info?
0: Probably not. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think right now a lot of that data... You know, it, it can be useful, but it's not something that I think most people are, are really using right now. And part of that is because we don't really know what what to do with that data yet. But I think, that, you know, uh, the way I see it based on the conversations I've had with, you know, some of the companies behind these products and, and experts is that it's kind of like laying the foundation for future things that will be useful. Like, you know, one good example that I've talked about is, you know, Things like sleep tracking, right? You know, the only reason why we have that is because, you know, these devices were able to pick up heart rate data and motion data. So when you combine those things together, you get something like, you know, sleep tracking that can tell the different stages of sleep you were in. So I think down the line, we'll see more interesting stuff that that comes out of, you know, some of these newer metrics we're seeing today.
1: Got it. And one of the points or the features you mentioned in your story was the introduction of blood sugar monitoring. How would that work and what would you do with that info?
0: Yeah, so that's something that we're probably not going to see for a while, to be honest. It's just something that's like an area of interest right now, um, I think, for the medical community, definitely. And based on reports, it seems like Apple is looking into that. But of course, there's no confirmation. But yeah, we, we don't know how that would work yet because it's not, <laughs> to my knowledge, it's it's not really something that exists in consumer smartwatches. But based on how other things are measured, I I imagine that it'll have to do with some combination of sensors and lights that, you know, shine through your skin and, you know, make some observations about the properties of your blood that are then processed through, you know, machine learning and all that stuff, similar to the way heart rate from the wrist and blood oxygen from the wrist. But uh, again, that's that's kind of just an educated guess from my standpoint.
1: Got it, and I mean, that, that makes sense, I mean, I'm curious why there is interest in this area. Like what what would you what were sort of the practical applications of blood sugar monitoring?
0: Yeah, so it seems like the big interest is is making, you know, recommendations and advice from these fitness trackers more personalized because Um, You know, this is not something that, you know, you would be able to use to manage insulin doses if you were diabetic or something. Like, you will still need a glucose meter for those things. That is absolutely not what these companies, I think, are trying to do. But what you can get is, you know, based again, what, based on what researchers are saying, you know, what, you will probably see something that can tell you if you're in a state of like low or high blood sugar or normal blood sugar. And that can help people understand, you know, whether changes to their diet or their exercise routine are, are impacting their blood sugar at all. So I think, you know, that's the kind of thing we can probably expect to see if this comes
1: to fruition, of course. Right, right. And, and as you mentioned, you talked to a bunch of medical experts and, and tech executives and analysts about this area, I'm curious where, you know, if there's any kind of consensus for where these things are going next.
0: Yeah, there's a few different things. I think, you know, the biggest thing that we'll see in the near term is just getting a lot better at context. Because, you know, right now, a lot of these devices spit out a ton of numbers, like how many calories you've burned, the steps that you've taken in the day, uh, how you slept over the past few nights. Um, But what we're starting to see now is more context about what all those numbers mean when you put them together. So I think we're going to keep seeing that, Um, you know, things like... um, you know, Aura and Fitbit both have a readiness score that tells you if your body is ready for a heavy workout or if you should take a rest. So I think we'll see more features like that in the near term. In the long term, I think, um, you know, mo- I, I, a lot of, you know, it seems like there's a lot of excitement in in the long term about using... Algorithms to help detect disease early. Um, That's another kind of like far off, like pie in the sky thing. Um, But I think we'll start to see more progress towards that as companies like Apple and and Fitbit and Aura, you know, work closely with the medical community to to run studies and things like that.
1: All right. And this obviously deals with a lot of sensitive data. I'm, I'm curious in your discussions, like how or if these companies are, factoring in privacy protections and just ensuring this information doesn't get out because this is this deals with a lot of potentially sensitive info.
0: Yeah, I think it's just about, you know, these companies being transparent with how the data is being used and then where it's going. And from what I understand, a lot of companies are pretty careful about that because they know things, can, things will be really bad for them if this type of data were to, to get out. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, a lot of these companies already do a, a decently good job at being transparent about the data, and uh, oftentimes it stays on your device and you know in, in your account unless you choose to share it with like a doctor or a family member or something like that. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely going to be more important as you know these devices get more advanced.
1: And you know, in your conversations, you get a sense of how like how these would work in a perfect scenario. If there was, if there's some sort of like ultimate goal for a fitness tracker.
0: Yeah, that's a good question because it's like, you know, why do we need all of this health data? And I think, right. yeah, right. I think like the high level goal is to give people a better sense of their health in between doctor's visits. That seems to be the big trend that I'm seeing because, you know, mm-hmm. someone who just wants to stay in shape probably doesn't need to know what their blood oxygen saturation is, you know? Uh, but I, I think the idea is to have like a you know, a personal record of your data and changes in your health um, so that you can start spotting your own changes over time and seeing like, oh, maybe I should go to the doctor more than once a year, you know, like helping you kind of monitor things between visits. I think that is the thing that both tech companies and the medical community are are most excited about right now. And I think that's where they see the most promise.
1: Got it. And, you know, for those looking for a you know, a fitness tractor or for me still, still mourning my daily departed Nike fuel band. Uh, what, what are some of the options out there? Cause I mean, I have an Apple watch, like, do I need another thing? Like for, and for folks who don't want to have a more expensive smartwatch, like what, what are some of the better options out there?
0: Yeah. You know, I think the Apple watch is a great one. I think if you have one already, you probably don't need to buy something else. Although I did say, uh, you know, I, I did wear an Apple Watch and an Aura Ring at the same time, and I just, like, really, really loved the more in-depth sleep tracking and, and the readiness score and things like that. Um, but that's a big investment. I probably wouldn't recommend people to buy both an Apple Watch and an Aura Ring. Um, but those are two great choices. Um, the Fitbit Charge 5 is is really great, um, you know, and there, there's a ton of other options as well. Pretty much any smartwatch also has you know, fitness functionality. So there's the Apple Watch Series 7, the Apple Watch SE, the Garmin Venue 2, and and Garmin is usually a bit better for people who enjoy running specifically. Um, You know, the Samsung Galaxy Watch 4, all of these things are, you know, products that we've tested and recommended, and they all have a lot of good, uh, you know, health and fitness functionality to them.
1: Got it. Well, Lisa, thank you for your time. You can check out her story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, ping me on Twitter at The Daily Charge or send for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.